And I spread a song so you can sing along With my special guest star or two You like to sing and dance And this podcast by chance Explores musicals for you Everyone, welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me is a new guest on the pod. She's a New York City based actress, performer, basically does everything. And she's also the Sanderson Wrangler for the Dead Man dead man's toe productions it's sierra ryan everyone hello hello I did it. you did it <laughs> you got my name out right yay i did it i was almost gonna say ryan or rain and i was like no don't do that ryan 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 yep. yes yes she is not a wit one of the witches but not you, yet a lot not of yet. the yes. background off-camera stuff yeah, for this for it the was a, it was the pandemic project uh a couple pa- nice pandemic projects last year one in october one for october and one for december and i was the one who got all the footage together and edited it together and then in uh for the december one i was basically director and and managed the zoom recording so we had like a zoom <laughs> recording which is a lot easier than uh than in person kind of film but uh but yeah it was it was it was fantastic so. and the ladies do reference you on a little, yeah mm-hmm. uh, when we when we talked about i put a spell on you yeah. way back when yeah so and welcome to the pod thank finally. you thank you and i'm very happy because movie musicals that was my uh that was my in to to theater and performance and and music from american songbook so as soon as my friend ariana was like on a podcast about movie musicals i was like what and Lauren and Lauren yeah exactly Mm -hmm. so I was like get me in there we're in holiday time so this is quintessential holiday movie white Christmas white Christmas yep it's very white it's (laughs) it came out in 1954 screenplay by Norman Kranza Norman Panama and Melvin Frank those are fake names lots of Normans my god but those sound like fake names yeah. I'm not gonna lie <laughs> uh music and lyrics by the one and only Irving Berlin which yes. I believe uh, somebody correct me if I'm wrong I've done so many episodes at this point I believe this is my first Berlin movie oh interesting yes yeah uh directed by Michael Curtis Kurt Kurt Curtis I hope Curtis. Curtis. yes Curtis yeah and according to IMDb, a successful song and dance team become romantically involved with a sister act and team up to save the failing Vermont Inn of their former commanding general. Yeah, that is like the most succinct like IMDb. Explanation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, even uh, I've done the 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 show, the stage show version of this White Christmas a couple times. Um and that kind of covers it too. That doesn't really change anything from the original movie at all, even though it's very different from the movie structurally and musical songs-wise. So yeah. So you were in the stage version. I did. I did a Gunkwit uh performance two two separate years uh in 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 a row and it was great to return. It's very it's a very um it's very classic in that sense uh, that it can be translated to the stage very well. So in, okay. So I read, I was reading about the stage version. Mm -hmm. Um, It had two limited engagements on Broadway, one in 2008 and one in 2009. When did Mm -hmm. you do it? I did it in, Oh, now you're asking me dates. I did it in 2016 and 18 there. They, they, they had a, a year off and then they came mm. back i think those those two dates um and actually jeffrey denman who was the original one in in the broadway version was also uh in one of those uh one of those performances and i it was, love it him was, yeah he's such a sweetheart and a star wars geek so we geeked mm-hmm. out uh when uh when one of the the the, pre- the sequels came out we all as a cast <laughs> were in the audience in new hampshire yeah exactly so the movie had like 20 has 27 songs i counted i think mm-hmm. i could be wrong but the the musical has i feel like more is are they also irving berlin music or are they original they're, they're all irving berlin but they're swapped out so like blue skies 
which mm-hmm. is very briefly in the movie, is a full production. It's the act one uh, closer. And then, like, I Love a Piano, which is another beautiful song by Irving Berlin, opens up act act uh, two. Um, and then, uh, I mean, the best things happen when you're dancing is in that. That's like a wonderful, of course, it has neat, to be cute, you know, between the two main dancing dancing couple, and um, sisters, sisters, and uh, white Snow, Christmas, white Christmas of co- love. You didn't do right by me. I mean, ah, you you just can't do it. Uh, the what can you do with the general is a is more built into the structure of the scene. So it's uh, people it's the characters talking about the general like what do you do oh well let's come up with a um a way to solve this problem um and like gee i wish it was back in the army becomes a like a little side joke between the characters as opposed to a full song um and then what was the other one? Oh, let me sing it. I I'm happy, which is kind of in in the background in the movie, becomes Martha's song, where she reveals herself to be a a a Broadway babe of burlesque or, or like vaudeville back in the day. So she's like, you know, this sixty year old lady. Let me sing and I'm happy. It's great. Yeah. So you have those those kinds of like reintegrations of some some of the mo- mo- movie music into more of a character-driven stage performance kind. Yeah. But obviously first came the film, which, yes. I mean, I I do remember seeing the Broadway version and it felt more Broadway, hmm. if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like it, 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 it did the job that it needed to do where it wasn't like, it it took a lot of elements from the movie and obviously songs and everything, but like they made it for the stage. They didn't try to like recreate the magic that this movie has. Right. It's a different kind of magic because the movie, I mean, in the 1950s, they were still kind of in that let's kind of bring Broadway and vaudeville back to the, the big screen uh, with a bunch of nostalgia like mixed in. In a way that's, you know, you always see, oh, let's watch the rehearsal of of the show within the movie that they're that they're rehearsing, which is always hilarious because they're like, it's always all out, full, full costumes, full costumes, sets. full makeup, an amazing orchestra that you never see, <laughs> like it's just buried somewhere that you never quite see. <laughs> um, no but mistakes. On this you know? Beautiful soundstage that's supposed to be the. In a barn? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So so you kind of get this otherworldly fantasy element of, of what stage is within the movie setting. Like Mandy. What? Okay. <laughs> That's a rehearsal? <laughs> That's not a rehearsal. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. I, I yeah. With with full on like fifty foot sets and yeah, and tambourines and everything like that. Yeah. Okay, I've seen this movie probably once a year around this time, maybe more. I don't Mm -hmm. know. It's my mom's favorite movie. It's a Uh, tradition, yeah. How often do you watch it? I don't, I mean, I actually probably every like five years or so, or if it's on, if it's on the TV or on, on someone's streaming channel, it's really hard not to like keep glancing over and seeing what's, what scene they're on. Um, oh, of course. Yeah. And then when they get to sisters, you're like, shut the fuck up, shut everyone. Up. We're watching sisters. both versions. Both both, <laughs> both versions. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and and my uh, side note, my my Chris, I'm one of those people who watches Die Hard on Christmas. That's so fair. that's, you know, and I'm waiting for the musical of Die Hard as well. One day. Yeah, one day. Mm, one we day. can dream. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's just there's so many beautiful moments in the movie that are so captivating and the color of everything is just everything is so beautifully beautifully created and and the choreography is gorgeous and there's little bits and pieces of of what what I appreciate even in an older acted movie stylized. Mm-hmm. There are there's a lot of uh, moments, especially with Bing Crosby, because we haven't talked about like who stars in it, but Bing Crosby has this wonderful, almost improvis- uh, improvisatory, I can't say that, improvisatory way of saying his lines and scenes between him and Danny Kaye and the behavior of them 
oh look, yeah in, like they look incredibly rehearsed because someone will throw something and catch and like they'll have these wonderful moments but it also feels like they improvised some lines on the spot and they just went with it and well their their sisters is all improvised yeah oh really i didn't even know that yeah, yeah so... so you see like you see being laughing at the end and it's obviously like in the film it's this kind of convoluted let's let's stall the sheriff from arresting the girls and it's just like oh my god what is going on it's a little over the top yeah where it's like (laughs) what i don't understand why they didn't just pay the sheriff that was an option but they didn't do it and it's like you guys had the money Mm -hmm. i just it's uh a lot of the drama like that that happens in the movie it's like just do it just just ask him why he's going to new york like ask uh rosemary like you know when mary wilkes the um the innkeeper's assistant martha yeah Yeah. um like listens in and tells rosemary clooney you know oh he's gonna make a fool out of the general yeah what she doesn't eavesdrop properly no i think it's much i think it's much more graceful on stage the way they they do it I think the, the the lines getting into that sort of uh, conversation, the the comedy of errors. I mean, it's it's a comedy of errors, and it's a very light comedy of errors in the sense that it's only because Betty Rosemary Clooney's character is so passive aggressive in in how she's dealing with Bing Crosby. You know his his. Uh, his character, like she doesn't talk to him. It also feels like though that they're two alphas. Hmm. So like, you know, which is very rare for uh, classic Hollywood movies that mm-hmm. a female's an alpha. Yeah, yeah. But like, she's very career driven, headstrong. I don't think she ever talks about really wanting to be in a relationship with somebody. But I could be wrong. Well, there's the whole there's the whole talk because this is you know the idea of two women being independent and making money on their own but still having the talk about marrying when are you going to get married when are you going to have kids oh you know the reason you the reason betty that you haven't uh gotten married is because you're always the mama hen to your sister so as soon as the sister's gone then you can go it's it's you know it's very it fails the bechdel test (laughs) it fails so many times i mean don't get me wrong i love the movie it's very lovely and romantic very sweet and everything uh you know you've got great talents all across the board i wrote down because i looked a little bit on on imdb ahead of times or, or wikipedia and it originally was going to be uh bing crosby and fred astaire as opposed to danny oh and then it was going to be Bing Crosby and Donald O'Connor. That would have been amazing. And then Danny Kaye, who is just, he is, he's just this wonderful, over the top, you know, I could, beautifully normal kind of clown. It's just wonderful. I could see it with Donald O'Connor over Fred Astaire. Fred Astaire. No offense. Fred Astaire like, is so much more graceful and. He's, yeah, but like you elegant. needed. I feel like that character, I mean, it's also now so ingrained, uh, Danny Kaye's performance, but like you needed somebody who can move, but is also the comic, like a comic relief in a way, Mm -hmm. or like a comedian. So that's why like, I would rather Donald O'Connor over (laughs) Fred Astaire. Astaire. No, no shade to Fred Astaire, but like, no, no, no. um, Donald O'Connor has more of the humor uh, Fred Astaire is a great like um, the straight man, you know. Oh yeah, and he relaxed. Team. He and he, you know, in, in in his Ginger Rogers days, he definitely showed that he could be he could be the conniving um, manipulator, but he did it with such grace and not. Mm-hmm. It, it it would have been a different it would have been a different dynamic between the two of them. That's very that's for sure. It's a very different movie. Yeah. So a lot of these songs, well, almost all of the songs are performance-based as we said except for two uh there's snow and count your blessings the first time yeah yeah. it felt like though snow was still like like a performance but it was just like you know the friends singing and everything but count your blessings was that more like a internal monologue kind of a thing 
It is one of those moments where Rosemary Clooney's, you know, Betty does fall in love with Bing Crosby. I think that's, it is a, because he is so, he's, he's trying to console her. He's trying to, you know, uh, help her sleep. I mean, that's the, that's the whole thing is that she can't sleep. Uh, she needs to have a sandwich and some milk. You know, it's, it's obviously, it's, it's once again, it's like this meat cute that is arranged by, by, um, uh, oh, their partners. What's yeah. What's Vera Ellen's uh, character's name? I don't remember. Just say oh, Vera Ellen. Okay. Vera <laughs> Ellen, you know, Vera Ellen and Danny have, have, have made it, um, have basically pushed the two of them together to meet in, in the, uh, in the living room of the, uh, of the lodge. And, any excuse to get Bing Crosby to sing to you. I mean, my God. Valid. But at oh. the same time, I, I was more so like, so it felt like this movie wasn't like a musical musical per se, where, you right. know, uh, you can't uh, Just bust out into song. You, yeah. That's yeah. the only way to express your emotions and everything is to right. sing about it. Rather like you can't just talk. You have to like do one step extra. So uh, that's why I was just like, wait, is this like a musical theater moment where it's oh yeah, yeah, where where it's where it's integral to the plot to the character development? Yeah, it's weird because it doesn't like we as as I'm saying it, it sounds like it should be clunky because mm-hmm. they like I said, they're all the other ones are performance based where they're you know in rehearsal quote unquote or they're doing the show or they're you know, they made a made a stage in Europe, right? Well, also, all also remember uh, the best things happen while you're dancing comes out of the ballroom music, and then Danny Kay starts singing, mm. and they start dancing on the bridge and on the water and everything. That that is out of that. That's not a performance. That is also falling in love, you know, with okay. dance and with song and with romance. So that is that is also the third song. Also, that's not within the confines of it being I, I think it's good that it, then it's more than just the one where we have moments of like oh we're in we're also in a musical guys mm-hmm. like a right like a real one it's kind of to me it's kind of like the best uh analogy I can make is like dream girls mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. it's all about the girl the the group singing on stage but then sometimes in the real world quote-unquote uh, they bust out into song because yeah. you know emotions and stuff. Also, also the stage version of Forty um, Second uh, Street also bounces between stage reality versus show reality. Uh, but that's what I love about it is that is that it creates this kind of way in which a song can bust out at any moment. But also, mm-hmm. there's some understanding of showbiz and like, oh yeah, we're rehearsing a show. Fine. <laughs> I'm thinking of the I'd rather see a minstrel show slash Mr. Bones slash Mandy. Right. And while I was watching it, I was like, can this actually happen in real life? Well, the staging of it, I mean, you know, but there's there's a few moments where they do movie magic where it's like you have all the ensemble by the stairs and then all of a sudden they're like not. Yeah. (laughs) Or the camera cuts to a completely different part of the stage, which would require the entire stage to rotate in real life on you know (laughs) in the barn yeah so what a lot of a lot of these music like the their performance moments i was like ooh, maybe gee i wish i uh i I wish i was back in the army could be like the only one that is real like can happen with all the production hoopla but that's the magic of movie musicals that you don't you know you don't right you you don't get to have like in the heights they used the fact that it was a movie to do some fantastical CG and like entire rotations of, of, you know, quote unquote sets to, to make it as magical as possible. And that's sometimes what, you know, even in the 1940s and fifties, there was this sense of going beyond the stage and beyond what you could understand what the stage could do and go to something that is pure fantasy in terms of, in terms of what musicals could do for the time. Well, it's the it's the center stage theory. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. But uh, and I literally just made up that phrase. Like, right. <laughs> you know, you know, you're, you're. It's not. It's not a real phrase. It should be because <laughs> should be. for those of you who don't know, center stage is that dance movie from like the early two thousands, where at the end they present this piece, this 
fat ballet, I guess we'll call it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a dance piece where they're pre- they're pretending like it's an actual performance in front of people, but it can never happen. Right. Now you can finagle it if you were in person with like mm-hmm. doubles and stuff, but like this yeah. can it 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 it's physically impossible to right. do. And so I whenever I see movies like this or you know where they there's a lot of performancey stuff, I'm like can this happen like that's mm-hmm. why I'm like can this happen in real life mm-hmm. right. so I have a feeling the answer is maybe but not how it's staged right exactly like we can hit moments you know like do the staircase and then they can be in their line for the tambourine part mm-hmm. but like you have to see like you literally have to watch the transition right. There's the choreography no... would be completely different on stage yeah exactly yeah and speaking of choreography the song choreography <laughs> Uh, are they the choreographer making... I wrote down was Robert Alton. Um I've that I'm name sure... is I've heard that name before. And I'm sure uh Danny Kay had had input because he, you know, it had has so much he's like rubber faced musical theater, you know, actor. I'm sure he had like ideas. So what was what was your question? Are they making fun of modern dance? Oh, of course. Okay. Because I was watching it, I was like, well, the women are very serious, but Danny Kay isn't. No. So I was like, well, are they? But but you, but there's that moment where the, the girls in a line do the sweep towards the camera and each of them have, have been directed to make like this, this gaspy, oh, face, like, like, you know, this, this <laughs> absolutely thing. And, and the song is this kind of wonderful 19 you know, early fifties jazz song and the lyrics are all about this new found beatnik phase, which is what the fifties, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you, if you know, like the, there are lots of old B movies that are about beatniks and these crazy cats who are wearing, uh, you know, long, long black, sh- black, uh, Turtlenecks and, and, and berets. And berets and, yeah. and they're snapping and they snap instead of clapping. You know, it's that kind of they're they're responding to that. And then Vera Ellen and, and her and her dance partner come in and tap dance their asses off and you're just like, Oh That is the comes. same dance partner that's in Mandy, right? I yes. mean uh, I wrote his I didn't name. make I didn't make a note of it, but yeah, I was I watching wrote. it and I was like, You are the same person, right? <laughs> no, his name was because Danny Kay was not he was a good dancer, but he was not a athletic dancer. He was not a, a dancer with like a right. capital D. He he could move as we see in the best things happen while you're dancing. And like, you know, you I think you said he had, well, you said he had a rubbery face, but he also has like a rubbery body yes. for choreography. But like, did you serious tapping or... You know, ballet, like full ballet ball. moment. Yeah, I knew I could have faked it, but like, yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, John Brascia, B R A S C I A. Kudos, John Brascia. John Brascia, you yeah. were great. Yeah. Um, and you I could do... also hear. Uh, see, uh, sorry, there, there's a there's a brief clip of a of a rehearsal where Vera Ellen is all in uh, yellow, and they do a, a rehearsal. Oh, it's the Abraham number. Did you remember that that one? It's like dun 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 yes. dun dun dun. That that song is Abraham is from uh, the Irving Berlin movie Holiday Inn. Um, so uh, that was that, but they took only the music because the that was the blackface one, and right? The blackface that Bing Crosby did, and that is often cut out from Holiday Inn when they broadcast it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I I I think. The minstrel show number should have also been in blackface yes. if I read that correctly. I read, I actually looked up uh, Mandy and that whole thing. Okay, so there's a, there's someone did a, uh, a blog about that, that particular sequence. And they pointed out that the whole, all the songs that, that, that Irving Berlin wrote are very much from the 19 teens. So we're talking about I'd rather see a minstrel show and and like Mandy vaudeville vaudeville super I, vaudeville. I particularly love the song Mandy as a song in and of itself, but the context is very blackface adjacent. Mm. They didn't put blackface on, but the blog did uh, mention that the outfits that the the chorus is wearing 
is kind of a dark, uh, like a bright red and a dark green, and the women have little black dots on their outfit, kind of like watermelon. I did not yeah, notice I that. Yeah, I hadn't noticed that ever before. Well, so, I no- I mean, I noticed <sighs> the, the green and red, but, like... I thought that was Christmas. I was, yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to ask you. I was like, is that, is that Christmas? Like, no. I mean, they're also complementary colors. Let's be real here. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous to look at. But it wasn't until someone said, yeah, the women have these black dots that look kind of like watermelon seeds. And they're talking about some of the li- the, the lyrics of, uh, they mention George Primrose in the I'd Rather See a Minstrel Show. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he was a late 19th century white vaudevillian who performed in blackface. Mm. So oh. this is this is the white, you know, uh, nostalgia kind of seeping in to, to White Christmas in, you know, and Mr. Bones. Th- these songs are great to listen to, but it's just like, oh, my God, no. No. That's, that's, that's a product of its time. And it's also like our history like we have to face it yeah um and they're not many black people in this movie there's one i think he's he's the guy who's, who pours the snow uh the drinks in the in, in the in the train car in the train yeah. car yeah exactly there's one one but like again you keep saying it's the product of its time i mean but mandy is so beautiful and vera ellen being thrown about like like it's like she was just like a like a doll like a doll yeah and the choreography is gorgeous in in that number it's just kind of like oh could we have done a something another song please another concept thank you thank you um i do also want to point out so i have this running thing with classic hollywood movies Mm -hmm. uh there is this background extra named Bess flowers did you have you ever heard of her no she is credited for over 900 films on IMDb, Holy but Moses. she's always a background person. So she's not really credited, but like she has but that been... face that pops up every yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been a while, but welcome back, Best Flowers. <gasps> she plays, she's uncredited nightclub patron. Oh, yes. Okay. And I think this is either the third or fourth time, no, fourth or fifth time that she's been on my podcast. So welcome back, Bess. Yay. Oh, so <laughs> this is a stupid, funny question. Okay. Do they ever say where the rest of the cast and crew are staying uh, at the inn? Are they staying at the inn? Are they I think staying they're staying town? at the inn. I think they're just staying at the inn. They, and they, the peop- cons- there's no one there <laughs> because there's no snow. So they're just kind of being put up. And obviously the us theater people, we can... We can be six in a room. It's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's a very, and then the, the audience at the end, apparently they come in and also stay at the end. So it's a very big inn, apparently. Lots of, lots of rooms. It's, lots of, you know. well, uh, the people who come in though, the majority of them is the army. Ooh. Yeah. The army ooh. and, and, and their, and their, and their wives, apparently. And their wives. Yes. Exactly. So it's, it's not a lot of non-army patrons that right. come to the end. Right. Um, <laughs> maybe it's some people's agents. Who knows? Yeah. You know, they want to see what this new show is. And it's it's supposed to be this out-of-town tryout uh, anyway. <laughs> Let's go to Vermont instead of Chicago or, or New York. Ooh. My God, yes. And then enjoy some snow that comes at the very last minute. The very end. I mean, even on state, when we did the stage thing, we did the whole, like, you know, pull open the barn doors and look at the fake backdrop and the, you know, snow that's being dropped from the rafters. And, and But it is this beautiful, like, you know, moment where everyone expects the, the same magic from the movie. And I'm almost disappointed in the movie for kind of ruining the fact that we know that it's snowing out there. But the reveal on on screen is just so pretty. Yes. You know. But I mean, also, you don't expect it to snow on stage, really. That's true. Like when you see it. Or people there, I mean, there are some people in the world who have not seen this movie. (gasps) Yeah. Gotta remember that. And then they see the stage show and it's beautiful. Yep. So let's talk let's talk a little bit more about your time. Uh, in the white christmas show in the white christmas yes who did you play so i played uh mrs snoring man 
who is not <laughs> in the movie at all. And she and Mr. Snoring Man are two uh, train patrons who are just sitting there um, in the same car as uh, the, the, the two gentlemen who happen to finally figure out that the women folk are on the same train going to Vermont. And then, you know, the, the, the gig is up, you know, oh, oh, you got me on this train just so we could see these girls again. Oh, OK, I get it. That's where snow happens, and it becomes an ensemble uh, performance. So oh, nice. it becomes it becomes a full on full, uh, you know, full full harmony um, production number. And what was great is that so we performed uh, uh, the show, even though it was through Ogunquit Playhouse, we performed it at the Music Hall in uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, because the Ogunquit is very cold during the winter. It's from yeah. And I thought I've never. It- is it outdoor? It's not outdoor. No, 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 it's it's not outdoor, but it's it's kind of an old barn, you know, like oh. like it, it feels like that. I only got to step in it like once because I actually haven't done a show in it during during summertime. Um, but they got in the music hall, they got some of the original uh, Broadway stage sets on that little oh. thing. And what's hilarious is that the train set is two pieces that that uh, hinge together in the middle so i would get uh taken on stage while there was some uh in front of curtain uh scene going on and the it had to be hand pulled onto stage by the stage hands uh, because there's no tracks in the music hall um floor and uh and so here I am, you know, like on the train already with with my my friend David Johnson as as Mr. Snoring Man, um, you know, in the midst of in the midst of knitting, and uh, and the whole thing had to be kind of folded out and folded back, and it's a it's a transitional song because we would all get off the train, go downstage, the curtain would close behind us, and then the curtain would open again to reveal the set of the inn. And we would go up to to stage and start and I would be able to start yelling at Martha, who was, you know, because there's no snow. How dare there's no snow? I can't remember my actual lines, but, you know, I was here because there's so you promised me snow. And so I got, you know, and that was the introduction of Martha to to the rest of the audience. And it's it's fun. And later on in the in in the act, I would transform into the 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 costume mistress and have some moments where I would do costuming things with the, with the lead characters. Oh my God. I love it. Yeah. I, was about, I was about to ask you, were you going to, did you transform into one of the kids quote unquote that they keep saying? No. no, I was, I think the, the, although we didn't have understudies at the time and maybe they will in the future, but uh, my role is probably the Martha understudy. So eventually okay. when I do it for real, like on, on a, on a, you know, on an, a understudy, an understudy or a tra- Yeah. I would be Mar- understudying Martha in that, in that role. Oh my god, that's amazing! Yeah. Do you do you have any fun stories from the that well, you can tell? Let's that I that can way. tell, yeah. <laughs> um, well, the the great thing the the first uh, Martha speaking of um, that I performed with was uh, DJ Templin, and she was she was fantastic, and she was my uh, my um, backstage you know uh, dressing room dressing room mate. So we would we would do that. The second Martha was the one and only Sally Struthers stop yes <laughs> who was just just delightful to learn from and, and watch i mean dj was fantastic too but sally had her own uh special flair and the fact that i got to yell at sally struthers and be yelled at by sally struthers was just like a little feather in my cap that was fantastic it, um, it, it was a bucket list thing that you didn't know you had on your bucket I list no i didn't know yeah and there's a great moment um I think it's either right after um, Let Me Sing a, a Funny Song, which is her, her razzle-dazzle number, where she says something about, oh, never trust a trumpet player or something like something like that, where she mentions something about a trumpet player or, or the wind player or something like that. Mm-hmm. And Sally literally walked up to the, to the lip of the stage, squatted, even in her 1950s dress, stared down at our little pit, looked at the... <laughs> looked at the at the trumpet player gave him the eye and then stood up and we always knew backstage when that moment was happening because the audience just busted out into laughter because 
Yeah. Like she would do that every night. I don't know whether she did it every night, but whether she figured she did it, it out, enough. She did it enough. We're like, oh, yep, she's squatting. That oh was that God. was that moment. The other That's fun, amazing. Yeah. The other fun thing is that we, as a cast, because it's Christmas and we're, some of us are not going to go home during during the holidays, um, not just because not because of the show, but uh, you know because of our our schedules, we would do Secret Santa within within the cast. So that was really fun, and um, and I got so many things from my Secret Santa that were wonderful because uh, I said, oh, I, I like lavender, I like cactus, I need Q-tips for my station. And so like, <laughs> I would get these little little gifty-poos. And then at the end, when everyone gets to, gets to um, uh, guess Reveal. who are, you know, or guess, you know, you have three choices. And I'm like, I, I, I have no idea. And then Sally raised her hand. She was my secret Santa. Stop. So, so I have a little pin on my on my on my book bag that that's a, a little cactus pin that's from S- Sally Struthers. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, and she's she was she was a good secret Santa. That was for sure. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very, uh, did you, very nice. I feel bad for whoever had her. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what do you get? The gal who squats in front of trumpet players i don't know you know (laughs) but yeah it was that was a great a great cast so i'm trying something new on this episode okay go with me on this all right i said earlier at the top this is my mom's favorite movie or one Mm -hmm. of my mom's favorite movies yes so we're going to just cut away for a brief moment and hear from her okay uh, so I'm here with my mom. Mom, first of all, you're my first in-person interview. <laughs> wow, yeah. I feel honored. Thank yes. you. We waited until Christmas to do an in-person <laughs> interview. Um, and we're here to, I'm here to ask you some questions about why Christmas. I'm excited to answer them. So I didn't write, give you this question. I just thought of it. Do you remember the first time you saw this movie? I was thinking about that. It must have been in the mid-60s. I must have been six or seven. And you've watched it a lot of times since then. <laughs> Continually. It used to only be on once, once a year. Around Christmas Around time. Around <laughs> Christmas, yeah. So if you missed it, you did, couldn't see it again. Until the 80s when the videotapes came out. Oh, so would you say that this is your favorite Christmas movie? Absolutely. But you, before we even recorded this, you were telling me this. you don't consider this a Christmas movie or you don't feel like it's a Christmassy movie because it well it, it's not about Jesus and it's not about Santa Claus it happens to take place at Christmas which gives you the Christmas feeling and the Christmas surroundings which everybody's nicer at Christmas and does nice things so in that way it's a Christmas movie but it's not like I said about Jesus or about Santa Claus okay that that is actually a great tip I, I'd never thought of it that yeah. way what is your favorite bit of trivia from this movie? Considering you've seen it a lot of times over the years and you've got, I know, I know you've <laughs> gathered some trivia about it. So what would you say is your favorite, like fun fact about it? I have a few, but the one that always sticks out in my mind is that Bing Crosby and Danny Kay used to kid around on the set and do the sisters song. And the uh, director, Curtis, I think his name is, I don't he put it in, uh, he wrote it into the play, into the movie, because they would do it. And he thought it was a great piece of acting to put in the play. And they had to do it quite a few times, I read. And they're cracking up and they're really laughing. And it's a, I, that's one of my favorite scenes. I love it. I love that scene, too, personally, because you can tell that they're having so much fun and they're not acting. They're, Correct doing everything you watch this i know you watch this movie (laughs) all times of the year yeah is there a reason why it's just a good feeling movie i like the music i like the acting um so it just makes me feel good so in july when it's hot you know i might watch it and just think of christmas and think of nice things and speaking of and watching this any time of the year is there a song that you can listen to any time of the year from this movie? Well, Sisters, definitely. Um, and White Christmas. It just, it's just a beautiful song. Especially in July when you do the Christmas <laughs> in July and everything. Yep. I know 
many, many years ago when it, when it was on Broadway, we went to go see the stage version of it. How did you feel about that? It was, I, I enjoyed it. I really don't remember much of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of it obviously was changed. They had a change because they always think the play is different than the movie. Yeah. So it was, I was expecting the chronological uh, movie and I think they move things around in the play. And it, not that it confused me, but I was a little, you know, put off that, oh, this should have happened because I've seen it so many times. <laughs> but it was a good, it was very interesting. And of course, the acting and the singing was wonderful. And is there any part of the movie that you don't like or think you can like alter if we were to like remake it? If No, I, no. I, um, I used to not like choreography when I was younger, okay. but I don't think I understood it. He's really making fun, fun of it. Yeah. And I thought it was a little odd. And But no, you know, besides the little misunderstanding, but you always need a misunderstanding in a movie to come around to the end. Um, but no, I wouldn't change a thing. Well, Mom, thank you so much. Is there anything you want to promote, plug, while we're here? <laughs> no, just uh, watch your Christmas movies <laughs> and watch the classics. And uh, it was a pleasure to be here. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> and we're back Yay. thanks mom for coming on you know it was it, it's it is holiday season still kind of, of course. <laughs> i mean yeah 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 yeah, getting, yeah getting to a new year but but there's no i mean white christmas is kind of classic yeah and it's like it's good because this movie also taught like without really talking about it talks about the chosen family mm-hmm because like you know you have the um the people who were in the army where that's like they're your brothers you know yeah that's a thing yeah this was only 10 years ish you know nine years after the war had ended so this for them this was this this was really beautifully real just absolutely real for the for the audience who first saw this movie for the first time and the i think the opening sequences of making war as as graphic for the time i mean right know. like they they had the fan the musical fantasy and then there right. was so, like light realism because yeah. it, i don't think they wanted to like trigger the audience no way. but you you got this real sense of you know bombs going off during during the performances and they're mm-hmm. just like you know they have to do a cola voce under their like oh okay we're gonna we're gonna keep singing but it's all very quiet okay okay now we're gonna get loud again you know it they definitely made it uh made it a part of their of their reality um seriously mm-hmm. you know to- and and then even like when we go to what is the present i guess mm-hmm. i'll say that like the 54 yeah yeah uh the general is like a father figure to all four of like the leads yeah yeah yeah. so i love uh, that scene between him and um bing crosby where he where bing reads the letter that's coming from washington that basically says oh "Oh, you you're you're past your prime we don't need you anymore it is it is so it's very sad it's so sad and it's so heartbreaking and i think i definitely think that was to to empathize with a huge swath of of people in the audience who who were those those generals or who were those people who had an identity that was so uh entrenched not to use that that term too too loosely but was so entwined in in the war and their identity was so entwined that um once it was over yeah they're they're like what do I do? What do I do? And I think that's that's what the the ending of White Christmas, because you know this this kind of there's there's two plots that are going. One is the general and putting on the show without him knowing. That's a testament to him. And the other is the romance, like oh, are you know is Bing Crosby and Rosemary Clooney going to get together? Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. So yeah, so so the ending of White Christmas that is such a beautiful beautiful tearjerker in in the in the best sense of it is because it is a love letter to all those who are part of the you know the military family at that time and i think every family at that point in america had someone who was either connected to or in the army in some way at that point 
Um, at least that's the, that's the feeling that, that I get from, from, you know, why the, the, the story that they wrote around all these Irving Berlin, you know, songs, the gee, I wish I was back in the army at the end where those giant, those giant, um, uh, almost 3d, uh, cutouts come up and, and cover, you know, the four of them. And they're like housewives. And uh, I think like one's a postman and one's or a businessman. Uh, no, Danny or baker, Kay. I think. Uh, I think Bing Crosby's a baker and Danny Kay is a cobbler. Yeah. No, oh, cobbler. Oh, that's well, there nice. was a IMDb trivia being like, he, he was a cobbler. And then a few years before the movie came out, he played a cobbler. In a oh, movie. oh, there you go. So. Um, but like that, that kind of like acceptance of like, we, we, we were in the army and now we have, we're, we're normal people again. We're wearing our polka dot dresses and going shopping. Um, mm. And, you know, but ah, I wish I was back in the army. It's, it's like not an acknowledgement of that, you know. Sierra, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into Strap and Flat? I want to talk about Love You Didn't Do Right by me. Great. We have not talked about I'm that. so sorry that, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um that. So this is the one where Rosemary Clooney goes to New York to do a gig and one of her background dancers is Bernardo from West Side Story. Go. <laughs> oh, I mean, first of all, it's Rosemary with, let's just say her alto, gorgeous, gor- just absolutely her gorgeousness on that song. And then you can tell I'm a kind of Rosemary Clooney fan because I love you know, the low voiced, uh, torch songs, uh, like love you didn't do right by me and the direction of her being so stone faced and so just kind of gliding through. And this is one of those songs that I watched, uh, on the stage, I would watch Kate Loprest who played Betty in, in the, uh, Ogunquit version. And it is both a song, it is a song that is both an inner monologue and a performance it's because who knows who knows how she really sings that song if she wasn't in such you know emotional torment you know it's interject for a second yes in the stage version yeah is it around the same time as like the conflict between her and oh yeah she leaves she leaves it trans you know the stage transforms to a new york nightclub and and she performs this in this gorgeous gown with a spotlight and the and Bing Crosby character is there is watching there her. Is there to watch. And it actually, I think, uh, oh, it cuts to, because there's a couple other songs that also quoted, I don't think it's quoted in the movie, but it cuts to the Bing Crosby character and he sings How Deep Is the Ocean. How deep Ooh. is the ocean? How high is the sky? And it's just this gorgeous, you know, monologue to monologue kind of switch from one character to to the other. Um, I think that's, I think that's the song. (laughs) Um, And when it goes to, you know, the My One Love Affair moment, it's this outpouring of emotion, even if she's very still on stage or on the screen. And even just the, the head turn away by those four men, that's a number that is choreographed for the screen. Because even a small head turn by all four men away from her speaks so much mm. about what her experience, you know, with her character's experience is going through and her in that dress and that black dress is just, and those silver, those sparkly diamond. Uh, yeah. With the, with the rhinestones and everything. Oh, yeah. It's, it's the epitome of what a, what a torch song can be. It's just absolutely gorgeous. Her hair throughout the whole movie is perfect it's so beautifully quaffed i mean it's the same style throughout the whole movie i don't think she like ever really changes it but like it's so she's so beautiful Mm -hmm. in this movie she's also 20 years younger than bing crosby fun fact uh yeah you know i mean that's that's a real thing yeah yeah i mean but he he was in like his 50s and she was almost in her 30s or something like that yeah so fun mm-hmm. times had by all mm-hmm. uh Good. okay so let's get into sharp and flat shall okay. we yeah 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 sharp flat 
in this section, we're going to highlight some moments, whether or not we talked about it. If we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it or thought it could change, it's flat. And let me tell you, I mean, it was a little hard to find a flat, but like there's, there's some there. I thought too. <laughs> okay. So why don't you go first with your sharps? I mean, w- once again, love, you didn't do right by me. That, that is just, that is just absolutely gorgeous. I just absolutely love it. Um, I also love, it's kind of one of those sharps that's, that's about the fantasy reality. I love White Christmas at the end. That I wrote that too. When, but, when everyone joins in. When everyone joins in. But also the fact that there's a children's chorus that also comes up with the group just for the ending. It's like, oh my God, how many nannies are accompanying those children? <laughs> and the backstage, you know, school teachers that are happening there. We only get um, a day to shoot with the kids, God damn exactly. it. Exactly. We're going to end the, ba- you know, the, 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 the cute little ballerina in the front. Dancer kids. Yeah. The little yeah. Santa boys. Uh, I mean, and the, and the, and the two iconic dresses that the yes. women have, the beautiful red bell dresses and the guys just wear Santa outfits. Fine. Um, you know, um, there is, there is a reason why that song, which is only two verses long, if you don't include the, the beginning, the opening part that there is an opening part that, um, that we sing in our caroling group. And it's about being in Beverly Hills and missing the snow. Have you never heard of it? I don't think I've ever heard of that version. Okay. I can only, I won't sing the alto line cause that's all I know, but there's a, there's an opening verse. Uh, that Mel Torme wrote, or sorry, that Irving Berlin wrote. Mel Torme did. Please cut that. I, no, Torme didn't wrote. No, Irving no, Berlin no. Wrote. I'm leaving it in. God damn no, it. No, please. <laughs> no. So Irving Berlin wrote this opening, and then goes into "I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas." Mm-hmm. It's a very short song with only two kind of verses, and then it's over. And the, like the prelude, I guess we'll call that. Yeah, exactly. The opening, the opening verse. Um, but when when we do it in our in our caroling group, we we go into this opening thing and people are like question like looking at us quizzically and then as soon as we go into i'm dreaming and they're like oh, oh this is that I song got it. okay um but there is this wonderful thing where as soon as that song at the end happens it is just your heart swells and it's you can't you can't help it I did write that down at the end where everyone joins in at white Christmas. Mm -hmm. It's, it's so, it's so lovely and such a high, like the movie is, the movie is great. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very pleasant. It ends on a high note. You know, they do the show. It's a success. Everyone loves them. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's snowing. Like Mm -hmm. it's pure Hollywood, like vomit happiness but i love it <laughs> everything's wrapped up in a beautiful christmas bow yeah uh yes i uh I, do you have any more because I, I i i had a few, i got a few sharps that i want to mention sure i i also loved like like i said the improvis uh the improvisational kind of uh, tone that bing crosby had where he he would throw in these kind of one-liners even the scene where he's where he's reading the uh the the letter f- because uh, the the reason why he's reading the letter is because the general has, doesn't have his reading glasses, and so Bing grabs the letter and then he's he kind of brings it forward and back, and he's like, <laughs> oh, I'm playing I'm playing trombone myself here, you know, <laughs> and is... I I don't think that much, but that was written in either that or he is just a brilliant actor who's able to say a line that that seems improvisatory, and I really want to know if that was actually written or whether he thought it up, but there's this. that's what I love about there seems to be a lot rehearsed and scripted, but there also seems to be a lot that is just thrown out and Mm -hmm. they grabbed that and they kept that take. So to kind of continue with this improvisational Mm -hmm. moment that you're having, I wrote down the Wallace and Davis version of sisters. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I I'm going to sharp the choreography throughout. It is, it, it, like I'm a sucker for a great tap number. I'm mm-hmm. a sucker for a great dance break and everything. So, and you know, Vera Ellen, though not a singer, like she is a graceful ballerina dancer yeah. person thing. I love uh, the the duet, the the best things happen while you're dancing. Oh Not god, only. I laughed so hard when they got on that like swing thing at the end. <laughs> I, 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 I was wondering I was wondering how many 
how many times they had to do that and whether any there were any uh, almost into the pond moments because they were like flying around those poles like ooh, mm-hmm it's kind of like it's kind of like the couch scene in Singing in the Rain, the couch moment oh, yeah. in Singing in Cal- the Rain, where like let's tip this over, okay, oh, yeah. where they they had to do it probably like seventy five times just to collapse you know, at the last you, minute, yeah, yeah, especially and on on this, um, I don't even know if it's called a swing, whatever that thing is called, the glider, what was that? I guess, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the only purpose was for that that moment, yeah. but it felt like they had to get the right. I'm I'm talking physics here. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, the right about. the right mechanism, the right amount of lube on the on the track, you know, and the, and the right thing. force that they had to like run and grab it and everything. So I'm sure they got someone who weighed the same the same as them, you know, to and to, test it, to yeah, test it over and over and over again. Yeah, of and course. I love the the tight harmonies behind the classic '50s tight harmony that we you know that we did. I was one of the uh, the quintet that would sing off stage while the, the, the leads were dancing on stage. It's beautiful, tight harmony, and that's what I love. I love that stuff. Nice. I loved the costume design for this. I'm a suck, I, oh my God. The fact that, the fact that they match the color of like the pants to the socks to the shoes. Gorgeous, yeah. Love it. And, yeah. you know, they definitely had like a performance look. Mm-hmm. And then uh uh everyday look. Look. Even in rehearsals, look. Yeah. Like yeah, Vera yeah. Ellen's like kind of gray like a gray the Abraham dress. number. Oh yeah, the yellow of just the pop of that. But um, like even her in choreography, she has that hot pink number with the hot pink with shoes. The muff. And if you notice, her tights are hot pink, but Ooh. like they are very sheer. uh sheer. Yeah. That you don't you have to like it catches the light in certain in certain shots that you're like, ah, oh. yeah. And isn't um uh, her dance partner uh, also wearing like a pink tie, like little of course tops? some some yeah, bullshit exactly. like that. Yeah. Um, and then I just love Mary Wicks. I mean, yeah, she's classic. She was also a great comic relief, but like also, I feel like they could have done more with her. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. And on the stage version, she has her own full like number. Said, she's got- yeah. And she does a, du- a trio with the other two ladies. Um, oh, I'm forgetting, forgetting the, the name of it. Falling Out of Love Can Be Fun. Falling Out of Love Can Be Fun. Yeah. That's, so, I mean, that's another classic Berlin uh, song. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you have any flats? I mean, unfortunately, the minstrel sequence. I never really understood. I kind of got it when I was first watching it when I was in four, you know, fourteen and watching it for the first time or something, but kind of it's a it's a from a bygone era and you kind of cringe all the way through it, kind of going, this is. I mean, we're uh, watching it with twenty twenty one eyes. We've yeah. had different conversations since then. Yeah, they didn't do it in blackface, which is a no great... point one for them, but. Right. Yeah, the meaning of all of it is like, mm, you could have done better. Yeah. I'm going to agree with you on that. I also feel like the conflict that happens between Betty and Bob is like very stupid. Yeah. Like, once again, like if I were Bob and Betty had this huge blow pushing, pu- huge pushing away, that's a red flag for the rest of the relationship. Like you're yeah. really going to marry this woman who doesn't know how to communicate with you about the things that she's angry about or she could be like uh so i just heard this what's going on you know and he'd be like no that's not true who did you hear that from oh i didn't oh i heard it from you know the person a little bird told me whatever it's like oh come on and And then mary wilkes comes in with a bird hat or something (laughs) come on that's yeah comedy gold you know it's it's a it's the contrived comedy of errors that's not shakespearean comedy of errors it's the it's the let's find something that is a conflict somehow mm-hmm. and she has so many moments where she he goes to new york to actually try to get her back and she she still doesn't say why I heard she's this. angry yeah. you know okay. it's not until she sees the television and she goes oh oh might as well go and apologize with my presence and a white a statue of a white horse and a knight. Okay. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's once again, a little Christmas bow of romance that you can just, you know, say, I'm sorry. 
And speaking of white, yes, <laughs> the the whiteness, like oh, I mean God. that's that's also a product of the time. Unfortunate, yeah. it's unfortunate, and it's unfortunate to say that. Would you add any of these songs from the movie to your life's playlist? Love you didn't do right by me is already in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also, I would also probably add um, snow a little harder into like a little more into my into my holiday uh awareness um i don't personally love winter as a as a as a weather <laughs> as like a winter weather but i love snow in general and i love the the, the building of that but like and especially Absolutely this gorgeous. time of year oh, you know yeah. you would when when uh, all the radio stations and everything are like playing non-stop christmas music or yeah. holiday holiday music excuse mm-hmm. me um snow is snow uh, surprisingly it's a good this time of year song because it can go until like february yeah because yeah. <laughs> yeah. or whenever wherever you listen to this however long it snows in your area mm-hmm. uh because it's literally just about snow <laughs> yeah. yeah it's all it is <laughs> uh I, I wrote down the old man the melody line of that gets stuck in my head every once in a while, but like, uh, especially the second time, the reprise that they do it, like that's mm. that's a great version yeah. of it. Um, sisters, I mean, come on, yeah, you can, it's so such you iconic, mm-hmm. and fan dance. You can't do it without feather fans. Like, you, I don't, of course think not. You can do it without, and you know, bl- baby blue accessories everything. and everything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, gee, I wish I wish I was back in the army. Is pretty boppy for me and then obviously i mean white christmas yeah it's a classic yeah uh i will probably even take the one that you said that you do Mm -hmm. um where you have the added verse into it yeah yeah look up the lyrics that it's it's kind of it's it's a clever little um reveal where they where they where he mentions beverly hills la oh yeah it's really cute and sierra yes on that note, yes, we're done with the episode. Aww. We're done talking. We're done talking about White Christmas for the podcast, yay, but we yay. could keep talking about it later. In life. Yeah, of course, of course. Is there anything you want to plug or promote? Um, well, you know, it's I just finished uh, a month of Christmas caroling with Manhattan Holiday Carolers, and so I'm I've got so many carols, you know, coming out of my mouth. Um, that we will have also next year. So if anyone wants a a Christmas caroling quartet, acapella in Dickensian outfits, or we could do classy, you know, you know, black uh, cabaret look as well. For next year, you can always uh, hire us in the New York City area. Um, And also I'm uh, a part of a uh, vocal group called Marquee Five. And this past uh, December, literally days after Stephen Sondheim passed away, uh. we uh, we were a part of, uh, we're still a part of a um, a album called Sondheim Unplugged, which is connected to the uh, 54 Below series that Phil Jeffrey Bond has produced over the last 10 years. And uh, there's two more volumes that are coming out. The first volume came out uh, December 1st. And it's just this beautiful collection of, of music. Um, I sing a duet with Sarah Rice, the original Joanna from Sweeney Todd. And I sing... I hate you. Oh, <laughs> it, was, it was surreal. Uh, she's a good friend now. And, uh, and I sing with my vocal group, Marquee Five, on five different uh, tracks. And uh, wow. Phil has... Phil, I've, I've done you know the live show, and I'm supposed to be doing uh, January 23rd at 54 Below. Um, as a soloist as well so we'll see i haven't chosen the songs quite yet but we'll see what song what sondheim songs i will sing whether as a soloist or maybe perhaps a duet yeah i will talk to you about some suggestions okay okay i got (laughs) some time to memorize between now and then uh so where can people look up the caroling group or your little quartet yeah um on instagram it uh caroling is mh carolers because we're manhattan holiday carolers uh marquee five m-a-r-q-u-e-e-f-i-v-e and my personal one is sierra s-i-e-r-r-a-r-e-i-n and if you're a 
if you're a caroler or if you want to talk about white Christmas with me, you're more than welcome to. You could reach out. My email is buttersongpod at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at buttersongpod. What are your thoughts on this movie? Have you seen it? That's what I want. Have you, wait, no, have you not seen it? That's what I want to know because you need to watch it. Uh, and if you want to be part of the next episode, unfortunately, this is ending our holiday winter season s- series. I figured this was like a great movie to end it, end it on. And so we're back to regular scheduled programming and we're <laughs> going to be doing the 1985 version of Alice in Wonderland for the next episode. Ooh, 1935. Yes. 85. Oh, 85. 85. I thought you meant like the one that was like... Uh... Was it W.C. Fields as the... No. No, this is the one where it was uh, a two-part TV movie where Carol Channing plays the White Queen and sings Jam Tomorrow. the Jam song. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited to listen to that one. Okay. Me too. Yeah. (laughs) So on that note, uh, I'm just going to say... Wait, I don't know. I fucking never know how to close out these things. Um... How about thank you, Sierra Ryan, for... Well, yes, thank you, Sierra Ryan, for coming on and suggesting this movie. I mean, it's been maybe two years since I last watched it, so... It's a good reminder. It's always a good reminder. Uh, And everyone stay safe, be healthy, and we'll... I mean, I still have one more episode before the new year, but I'll see ya. Hopefully 2022 is okay, everyone. (laughs) All your Christmases be white. Mm. Mm. well you know what i mean may all your snow be white How's may all that? your s- snow be white exactly <laughs> bye for now everyone thank you special thanks to justin johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to nick bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast and thank you to Castbox for hosting this podcast Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.